Hello and welcome to the ChannelBuzz.ca podcast. I'm Robert Dutt, editor of ChannelBuzz.ca, and as always, your host for the show. Today, we welcome back frequent show guest Tony Anscombe, global security evangelist for ESET, uh, to discuss the findings of ESET's recently released study for security threatscape in the first half of this year. Tony walks us through why phishing is on the rise in North America, the role AI is likely to play in that trend continuing, and a new ransomware-as-a-service offering on the rise. Uh, We talk about mobile threats, the role of unpatched systems in attacks, and attackers seeing opportunity in Microsoft OneNote. We also talk about an uptick in sextortion cases, what the channel should be doing in terms of security best practices to keep their customers safe, and why they should be thinking about layering detection and remediation on top of the prevention solutions they offer. All in all, it's a packed conversation, so let's get right into it. My chat with ESET's Tony Anscombe. Tony, good to chat with you again. How goes Oh, great, Rob. Uh, enjoying the summer. What about you? Uh, same, same. It's, uh, you know, end of uh, end of July as we record this and, and things are going well. Things are going well. But we're uh, we're here together to uh, to discuss the the first half of 2023 uh, through the lens of, of the recently released ESET threat report. Of course, you guys do these uh, twice a year reports on what you're seeing with all the uh, the various telemetry fingers you've got out there, and and I can only presume that uh, that you know, having not read the the research, this is the all clear. Everything was fine. No attacks. No malware. No uh, no ransomware. Nothing to worry about. Absolutely. So uh, turn off all your cybersecurity products, and because it's all finished, it's all done. Yeah. If all right, that... perfect. We're done here. Let's. Uh... <laughs> if only that was true, Rob. Oh, uh, uh, you know, what? Unfortunately, it's a big business out there, and somebody's making a lot of money. Yeah, seriously. So uh, I guess uh, take us take us through the uh, take us through the headlines. What did you uh, what did you guys see in the uh, the first half of the year that kind of caught your eyes and made you uh, made you look differently at the world of uh, of ransomware and and malware? Well, there were a couple of things. Uh, so if you actually read the public report, it talks about global threats, and there's some regional data, and it talks about where where some of these threats live. Uh, but I'm in that fortunate position that I have the underlying data, <laughs> so I can kind of ext- I can extract the bits for North America, so Canada and the US, and look at those differently. And one of the things that's really noticeable, actually, is that on the overall threat landscape, so I the total number of detections in the telemetry. If you look at it uh, on a global basis, about a third of them, are, or just over a third, are phishing related. And that's different types of phishing scams, you know, that are detected mm-hmm. in different ways. But if I look at the North American data specifically, that's around that's between sixty-five and seventy percent. So, huh. I think what's interesting about that is that it shows that truly cyber criminals are campaigning. You know, somebody's sitting down; they've got their data and their their. They're segmenting their data and saying these email addresses are in North America, uh, you know, Canada or the US, and they're targeting. Yeah, so you're in that target area, Rob. Oh, lucky me! And and my uh, my uh, my my inbox junk mail filter will uh, will agree with your assessment. Uh, no, that's that's mostly the uh, the the I, I won't say relatively harmless, but easy to pick off kind of. 
hello, this is the government of Canada and you have a tax refund. Click here to get it kind of stuff, which is which is obviously suspect. Um, but of course, this is also looking at some of the more the more tailored and thought through stuff that is uh, is sent to uh, especially organizations uh, mimicking mimicking CEO emails and, and all that kind of fun stuff that we've discussed in the past, correct? Absolutely. And also what we need to remember is while we haven't seen the use of AI for the creation of malware <laughs> and such like, you know, these chat GPT and stuff will correct the text for you and it will put it into very nice language. So a lot of these phishing campaigns where you could spot mistakes, grammar mistakes or language mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, that's becoming a lot more challenging because you can certainly see in some of those new phishing emails that the language is improved. Any thoughts on on why North America in particular is is uh, that kind of attack is so so prevalent? Is it is it just a matter of kind of that's what's uh, that's what's making money? That's what's uh, what's getting caught or so creden- a, a credential. If I manage to steal your credential, you know, through a phishing campaign, I manage to steal the credentials for your work email address, uh, your password, and such like, and just say you're you have some escalated privileges. Roughly speaking, I can sell those on the dark web for about two thousand eight hundred dollars. Hmm. So it's about monetization. Um, obviously, and obviously in phishing, there's a lot of other general stuff. You know, stealing Netflix accounts and insurance fraud, as you said. You know, the tax scams are oh, way too frequent. <laughs> yeah. I apply every time they ask me if there's if there's a refund. I never get one. I'm not sure what's going on. Seriously. Uh, but you get you get the point is uh, it, it's unfortunately cyber criminals are tar- are targeting. Uh, this is a business and they're campaigning. You know, they're segmenting their data. They understand the geography of the data. They understand where these email addresses are based and they're they're targeting you. Hmm. Any other uh, any other macro trends that you're uh, you're seeing in there? Well, the other one that I thought was interesting now ransomware is always a hot topic, as we know. Of course, because, um, you know whether it's the disruption or whether it's the the extortion uh, that causes businesses a problem. But what is interesting was if we look at the overall general trend, um, you'll see WannaCry is is in that number one position. And that's because there's still a lot of unpatched machines out there that are still vulnerable to some of those issues, but that's globally. Um, Mm. Now, if if we then, so you see about 12% of threats are around there and Black Buster is in number two place globally. Again, about 12%. I think one is 12.1 and one is 12. Now, if I look at specifically that North American market, Black Buster is nearly 70%. And, that's super interesting because that's not only targeting generally by cyber criminals looking at the US as a monetization option. That's a ransomware as a service group, yeah, saying we're only really targeting the US and US organizations. And remember, you know, we've talked about this before, Rob, is ransomware as a service then has you know resellers below it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I meant to call them resellers, they're called affiliates, but it's like a it's like a channel. Yeah. of organizations below it i mean it's they're like a software vendor with a with distributors and channel based companies below them that then go out and do their dirty work uh so it, it means that actually it's a very specific threat to to that north american market and it's uh, you know it's it's interesting how both of both of these points and I was, I was thinking about this as you were describing kind of the level of campaigning going on within these uh within these groups is that clearly these are starting 
they've been acting like businesses for a long time, but clearly we're, we're starting to see like, okay, so clearly there's a marketing department here that's taking a look at where to send this and what's going to be most effective. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see some AB testing and those kinds of things going on here to, to uh, refine things. And and now you're describing kind of a uh, distribution and, and at least on the cyber level kind of logistics aspect of it in terms of getting it out there. Clearly, these are uh, increasingly sophisticated organizations in terms of the the overall business structure to them. Yeah, maybe I should be allowed to go on the dark web and request my personal data from some of these companies to see what they hold on me in the same way I can do to legitimate businesses. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's clear that, they, yeah, that it's targeting and it's and it's very specific targeting, but it's the monetization. It comes down to where's the revenue. I mean, you don't open a coffee shop in the middle of nowhere where there's nobody to buy a cup of coffee, do you? So, mm. yeah, they're doing the same targeting that you would do with any business. Go to where you're going to make money. I rob the banks because that's where the money is, to quote a... Uh... <laughs> and uh, you heard it here first. Rob has <laughs> just admitted he robs banks. There you go. Yeah, this will not be used out of context in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Ever. Um, so so I guess top of my mind in terms of takeaways for for folks in the legitimate IT channel, as opposed to whatever malware channel out there, which is not really our core audience, um, would be, you know, make sure your customers are are aware of what's going on in, in terms of phishing. Make sure that that, that um, the, the frontline staffers are, are educated on on what's going on and and uh, have those basic skills in terms of don't click that uh, and other other takeaways for sort of the average uh, VAR and IT solution provider in terms of uh, keeping their customers safe in in light of what you guys are are seeing in the first half of the year. Yeah, I think the other big takeaway in there, um, and actually our chief research officer Roman uh, calls it out in the executive summary is. Is that ch- is the ch- change in the attack ve- uh, attack method? I mm-hmm. you're assuming that everything comes in via a piece of malware. I we, we think it starts there. Uh, I think we're seeing a shift. Actually, it's about exploitation of a vulnerability. Mm. Is that initial vector, which I think does change things, and it's that's something that that you know the big MSP resellers and VARs might understand that fully, but some of the smaller ones may not actually be seeing that or understanding that quite yet. That actually vulnerabilities in software, hardware, or whatever it might be become exploited, and that's the the bad guy's route in. And that's why it's important to have good vulnerability and patch management, and it's also a growing reason to actually head off down towards EDR, you know, XDR-type solutions that are looking for traffic anomalies so you're not just looking for malware anymore. You're actually looking for connections and traffic anomalies in the network. So it's it's back to kind of the, uh, the I think some of the, in some ways the MSP basics, but it bears to be uh, bears to be repeated and, and reinforced that you know make sure that all of this gear is is patched as best as possible and and end of life stuff isn't there because it can't be patched, and that uh, you know the basic the basic cyber hygiene of of things is uh, is well taken care of in terms of of passwords and accounts and and all those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, where possible, stronger authentication. And I think we're all seeing that in most services that we use as consumers. You know, generally, if you sign on to something these days, it's authentication app or SMS, isn't it? It's some other third, it's the third way of authenticating the person. Yeah, that has to be a must, especially if you're servicing smaller businesses. 
Mm. Yeah, there might be a little adverse to, no, no, we like our passwords that we haven't changed for five years. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to wash anymore, is it? It's, <laughs> you've got you've to move to some other authentication mechanism. But Linksys admin admin has worked for so long for... Uh, for... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one, two, three, four, five, six. It's, it's such a great password, isn't it? Well, it's easy to remember. Uh, it's got yeah. that going for it, which isn't necessarily yeah. great. Um, in, in terms of other trends, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of the the shift towards new types of attacks. Any any other surprises or, or things that you're seeing out there in, in terms of the types of attacks that organizations are having to uh, to deal with? Well, there was a number of uh, there's a change in um, you may remember with some of the some of the attacks there were there was the issue with um, VBA macros and Microsoft mm-hmm. kind of put a put a stop to that uh, by making it that VBA is turned off by default from an inter, uh, from a document not not coming from internally and then I think it, as I recall actually it got switched off for both uh, both internet and internal documents by default. Um, you know, we do see some some change there uh, that shifted. So OneNote now is being used. Uh, okay. So malware is being pushed through OneNote documents and OneNote files. So I think, again, that shows actually the flexibility of those cyber criminals to actually change that business model. You know, not only do they campaign you, but when you lock one door, they've got their foot already in another door and they've got an alternate attack method already lined up. So product number two gets rolled out to attack you. Uh, so that's a, another new intrusion vector we saw in uh, in this threat report. And how does, I mean, obviously the, the VBA thing was has been dealt with and, and could be dealt with by uh, by disabling that functionality within, within the office suite, but how does one defend against that kind of weaponized OneNote? And how is OneNote weaponized in this case? Well, so OneNote is being weaponized in a slightly different way. So using the latest version of Windows operating system, the attachments uh, .one files are disabled by, by the way, by should be disabled by default. So that's mm-hmm. that's the first thing. So in effect, replicate what Microsoft did with the VBA stuff and disable them by, by default. But... Um, What's happening is is those OneNote files have um, the malware built into the document. So you know, all of these are, are documents. No document is just a line of uh, a piece of text anymore, is it? Yeah. They're all, you know, they're all multi-layered documents. So unfortunately, uh, it's just a switch to to the new doc, a different document type of putting the malware or the the malicious stuff into a new document. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a problem, and I'm sure if as this one gets suddenly closed down, it will shift, won't it? It will shift into another one because if you're making money from doing this, you're not going to stop making money from doing this. And if what, if that, if the easiest Avenue disappears, then uh, you'll move on to the next easiest Avenue or the, at least the Avenue that is, uh, is not as well defended. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, that's the problem. It's uh, unfortunately a little bit of a cat and mouse game with uh, some of these topics. Um, we haven't really discussed mobile, uh, in, at least in this context. What are you, what are you guys seeing on the mobile front? Uh, obviously, they're <laughs> a rapidly evolving space, but uh, any any trends there to report? Yeah, we certainly saw some interesting stuff on uh, on the Android platform, which is tends to be where we uh, where we see cyber criminals hanging around because, of course, it's open source technology. Uh, but a lot of issues around uh, loan spy loan. 
Uh, and what that is is, yeah, there's an awful lot of financial management apps or or, or financial transaction apps out there now. Mm-hmm. A lot of them will claim to manage your finances better, uh, you know, by aggregating access to all your different accounts and giving you this big overview. Personally, I, I'd say, why would I put? Why would I give one app access to all my financial accounts? But yeah, if you're so inclined to do that, make sure the app that you're actually downloading to do this is a legitimate app. What we've seen is a number of spy loan apps appearing where actually they're then abusing um, the access that you're get, giving them, and so they're they're malicious apps from the outset. So we've seen a number a number of those. Unfortunately, there's a, a bit of an uptick um in cyber criminals using that as a method to get on the device and get access to your financial accounts mm. um the report also also noted a, a comeback a return of uh of, of sextortion scams I, I presume that's the kind of email you get it's ransomware of sorts not in the traditional sense but in the sense of uh someone you don't you've never met before suddenly sends you an email saying i've I've got incriminating stuff for you, and if you don't pay up, I'm going to send this to all your friends. Uh, what what's driving that? As I, I assume the answer is because there's money to be made in it. But why that? Why now? Well, um, you you hit the nail on kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's extortion. It, it, it explains what it is from the outset. Uh, you know, whether that's somebody claiming to have something or they actually have something, or more to the point, you've shared something with them that you shouldn't have done. Mm. bear in mind some of those sextortion scams are quite sophisticated you know you go into if you're if you happen to be somebody on a dating site uh looking for your true partner and you do share that image and suddenly that person isn't who they seem uh but you've shared that image you didn't mean to then you might be subject to a romance sextortion type scam uh but yeah unfortunately that's be- that becomes more and more common um or they, of course, they get access to your your cloud storage, and if you've got pictures on your camera, uh, on your phone that maybe shouldn't be there, yeah, or, or could be used for sextortion, then they use that information against you. Um, and unfortunately, that's a that's a complex one because if somebody does become a victim of sextortion, uh, they they it's an embarrassing one to go and admit. Yeah. yeah. And I think victims often don't actually own up to this happening or going on uh, and end up being extorted significantly by cyber criminals. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you've got to put a stake in the ground here somewhere and turn and say, you know, if there is a picture out there of me, you know, I'm not going to pay anybody any money. And if it becomes public, it becomes public, uh, which I know is a hard decision to make. Yeah, is is that is that kind of uh, taking away that that profit um, motivation? Is is that sort of the the only path to getting that under control? Because as, as you say, it's it's hard to do, and in in some cases, depending on the individual involved, there's going to be greater uh, greater impetus to uh, to to make this go away. Even though, as I understand it, often cooperating with these things can lead you deeper into the rabbit hole because they now have an accessible mark and, uh, you know, you milk one for all you can if you're in that line of business. Yeah. I mean, they're going to come back and, uh, yeah, it's not going to be a one-time payment. They're going to come back and ask for more mm-hmm. uh, because why wouldn't they? Um, you know, my the top tip here is don't take the picture to start with. <laughs> you know, don't give somebody the uh, 
the the ammunition to come and attack you in that way. If if you've never taken the picture, they can come and try and extortion you all they want, can't they? Very true. Yeah, and there's no picture out there. And I guess a, a possible semi-backup to that is if you must take the picture, don't store it on anything that can possibly be accessed online, but then begs the question, why take the picture if you're not going to share it? Yeah, and the problem with that is, of course, the minute you take a picture on your on your smartphone, it's being backed up to the cloud by default. Right. So yeah. unless you're really, really clever about managing your pictures and only backing up certain ones, it's going to be in your cloud account. Mm-hmm. So, so taking this home, we've talked about some some takeaways for the the channel community. Any other any other thoughts on on what partners need to know about the the current threatscape and kind of what they need to do to make sure their customers are are a as educated and b as defended as possible? Well, I think the big thing in there for me is that change in uh, this is not just about traditional malware; it's about mm. vulnerabilities, uh, exploitation of vulnerabilities. I think if you're if you're not looking at some of the newer technologies or or you're a a, a smaller MSP or, or VAR and haven't quite delved into that EDR bracket, then you need to you need you know give it another year or so and this is going to be mandatory. Um, mm. It's in, it's interesting. People turn and say, "Well, I'm protected. I've got great endpoint technology. I've got you know I've got antivirus." Yeah, and that is absolutely essential, of course. And that's preventative, yeah. Whereas you need that EDR piece because that's looking at the intrusion that may well have already happened. I somebody exploiting a vulnerability. They're sitting in the network. You need to know they're there. You need to know what they're doing, what they're looking at, and you need to be able to block them out. Well, and, and talking to partners, it's it has become an, an interesting and uh, and and valuable. Uh, service offering for for a few smaller MSPs I can think of over the last year. It seems like there is a greater understanding of that in the customer community or or at least a greater willingness to be educated about the necessity for that kind of service. So it's uh it's something to I think if you're not uh, if you're not offering today, at least look at uh, at how you can dip your toe into that space and and make it part of the toolkit. Yeah, and I certainly know my colleagues in the ESET office in Canada will be well, you know, will welcome a conversation if anybody wants to be educated on the reasons why. They will take that call, I am sure. Tony, always a pleasure having these conversations, even if the the subject matter is sometimes harrying and makes me want to just unplug everything from Wi-Fi and, and go hide in the closet for a while. But uh, thank you once again, sir. All right, my pleasure, as always, Rob. There you have it, the trends that shape security in the first half of 2023, courtesy of ESET's Tony Anscombe. I'd like to thank Tony for joining us again for the podcast, thank ESET Canada for their continuing support of the site, and of course, thank you for listening. The ChannelBuzz.ca podcast will be back in the very near future, so do keep an ear out on the feed for that. Of course, the easiest way to do that is to subscribe in your podcast app of choice to make sure you don't miss an episode, and should that app allow you to leave a review and or rating, we'd appreciate that too. Until next time, I'm Robert Dutt for ChannelBuzz.ca. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you around the channel.